Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Preview Show. And despite the fact that the Premier League is currently on its maiden winter break, here at the Football Social Daily, we are still here in the cold, previewing all the Premier League action to come this weekend. And that includes Everton hosting Crystal Palace, a relegation six-pointer between Brighton and Watford, Sheffield United pushing for fifth against Bournemouth, and Manchester City at home to West Ham. My name is Fergal Brennan, and I'm delighted to say that I'll be joined by three football social daily stalwarts. They've rejected the temptations of a sunny break to plough on with the business of the Premier League this weekend. We have Sam Lee, Manchester City correspondent for The Athletic. Sam? Hello. We have Jack Gorn, Northern football reporter for The Daily Mail. Hello. Hello. And we also have Jonathan Smith, Manchester City reporter for Goal.com. Hello. Very good. How are we all doing? Oh, good. Yeah. Are you regretting your decisions? No warm weather training camps? It's really nippy in here. It is nippy. It is. <laughs> really cold. I'm, I'm trying to drive up this idea of that we're really cold. Yeah. No, that's just I forgot to turn the heating on. We're not that short of money. Um, right. So we've obviously got a fairly healthy Manchester City influence in the room. I can feel the waves. I can feel the waves of positivity coming across the desk. So that's where we're going to start. Manchester City at home to West Ham. Man City have got an opportunity to break the 22-point gap between them and Liverpool if they beat David Moyes' mighty hammers this weekend. Sam, I'm going to go to you first. Very, very quickly, uh, you discussed this on our Friday show about the rumours for Lionel Messi going to Manchester City. Are we pouring cold water on this completely now based on Guardiola's comments? No. No, because when when I was doing that very same podcast, I told you exactly what he was going to say and he said it. uh, (laughs) Anyone who's been to his press conferences, if you'd have asked John or Jack beforehand, They'd have told you the same. Um, you can pour cold water on it because everyone thinks it's unlikely to happen, but the, the idea is if they can't get him, they will. But yeah, Guardiola if, yeah, Guardiola is pretty torn on it because he's so loyal to Barca. He kind of doesn't want to be seen to be the man to take Messi away. But if he, if he says, I'll come and join you, they'll probably find a way to spin it. Fellas, would you follow that? Do you think there's, do you think there's more than just a chink of light? Do you think there's a bit more to go on this? I 
think it'd be very difficult for them financially because he's on a million pound a week. But it's small <laughs> details. Yeah, it's just an astonishing amount of money. But if there was any club in the country that could find that fifteen-year contract, mate, <laughs> amortization FC, <laughs> then then they would be the ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with Sam. I don't, I don't, I don't know what else Pep could have said on Friday yeah. afternoon. Really, um, certainly was never going to come out and say, "Yeah, we're banging for him." Please, please join us and please leave. The messy come get me plea. Club. Yeah, it, it's just one of those, isn't it? It's, it? He's in a difficult situation that he, he knew that he was going to be asked about it, but then didn't look like he was overly prepared for it either at the same time. It was, it was a bit like the situation with Pep Guardiola a couple of years ago in that City don't need to go after him. After him. They, they know, Messi knows, Guardiola knew that if... If City, if he was open to a move, that City would be ready to take them on, so that's where it is. City don't need to call Barcelona or anything like that. It's, it's an, it, you know, Ferran Ferran Soriano said a couple of years ago that there's an open door here, if he ever decides to leave Barcelona, and I don't think anything's changed on that. What would potentially need to change between now and the end of the summer, or the start of next season, for this to potentially become a little bit more of a reality? What what variables? are probably working against this going from something that might be 5% chance of happening to 2030. It would be it would have to be before the end of May, so at least we can deal with that pretty quickly. Because of this clause in his contract, yeah. which means he can go by the end of June, yeah. he's got to tell them, like give them notice basically in May. So we will soon find out. The old, month, the old month's notice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see that Messi still has to <laughs> abide by the same rules as the rest. I'm leaving. Signed, me. Yeah. The, well, I mean, I suppose the major thing is... He's written his own contract, hasn't he? Yeah. But, yeah. The major, the major thing from a Barcelona perspective is what happens with the kind of board and whether there are going to be any elections coming up. And if there's, if there is a presidential election, for example, then every single nominee would say, He's "I'm going to do everything that I can to keep him happy." Which, so you kind of, it, it very much depends on what what happens over there, I suppose. Yeah. And obviously, in in fantasy football land, one person that Messi could Obviously be competing with for a, for a position in City's team next season is Raheem Sterling. He's sidelined this weekend. Uh, he's likely to be out for weeks, according to Guardiola. They're not really specified. He's now potentially a risk for the Real Madrid game. Which, let's be straight about this, uh, Man City's season is geared towards that now, based on the situation with the with the Premier League and, and Liverpool. Yeah, I think it has to be. I don't, they're not going to miss out on the top four this season. They're not going to catch Liverpool. So. It, all eyes are going to be on that Real Madrid game. Um, whether Sterling's back in time, it's going to be a bit of a race. Um, and he's not been playing well for the last six weeks or so, you'd say. And he's not a bit his top form, but he'll still be a big <coughs> loss. I still think he'd be part of Pep's eleven, strongest eleven that he would want to pick for that game. So it's it's, a bit, it's going to be a bit of a blow if he's not there. Yeah. The interesting thing is Sane, isn't it? Because I I kind of thought, well, maybe he'd be in the squad against West Ham and see how it goes and give him twenty minutes. Because um, obviously this winter break is not particularly good for him, I don't think. Well, you'd, from the point of view of thinking, I'll get him back in soon, you'd think if they had a game next weekend, that would make sense. But Guardiola says he needs he needs weeks still. I mean, maybe that's a bit of an ace up the sleeve for Madrid, and he's going to drop him in like he did Laporte at Sheffield United. But, I mean, it'll be a bit of a risk. But he's, he's taken bigger ones, to be fair. <laughs> it'd, be it? ni- it'd be nice for, for Sane and for City if, if they weren't playing Leicester away, just before mm. the Real Madrid game. It's not the sort of one that you really want to You can feel him into, into, yeah. Yeah, so that'd be difficult. Um, well, they've got all sorts going on, they? I mean, Laporte is an interesting one. Like you would think he'd, that he'd play on Sunday, but he's he's only had the Sheffield United game so yeah. far, so he's not got much match practice um, before Madrid. Sterling, I think Sterling, what 
his eye in the Madrid game. And you think Guardiola, Guardiola's not going to risk him in between in the two games in between just in case there's no. any chance of, of a knock being picked up and do you think in terms of Laporte what's the sensible way of dealing with the situation do you try and give him some minutes between now and the Madrid game or do you think Guardiola will go along the lines of I need him starting at centre-back against Madrid so I'm going to wrap him up in cotton wool I think you'll want to go into that game with some momentum and obviously yeah. they've lost the last two games um, without scoring a goal which is Hugely concerned, it's not what he wants to do. And I mean, West Ham's probably at the moment maybe might, might be the nicest game you could possibly have to, to just turn that around quickly. Uh, and then Leicester, but Leicester away is a tricky one uh, and one he'll take very, very seriously. He'll probably go with his strongest 11 and then on the back of that, pick his side for Madrid. So I would have thought that he would go for Laporte to play in all three games if it's possible, but he's played so far, he's played 70 plus minutes and not been involved for the three games since so he, he'll he be talking to his doctors carefully monitoring and seeing exactly how it works but this is obviously a, a bit of a concern from a defensive point of view Alexander Zinchenko suspended to play against West Ham this weekend Bernard Men- uh, sorry Benjamin Mendy's not 100% fit Bernard Mendy well there's a throwback uh, I don't think he'd ever get into Guardiola's team the first person to <laughs> um there is issues in terms of how he eventually lines up against Madrid with a first choice back four and as Jonathan says West Ham you would almost think that it's a perfect opportunity three points in the bag get certain players some minutes into their legs and and look to move forward but these little things that have pulled Manchester City back this season seem to continue to keep rearing their heads Uh, Yeah but I mean the other thing is that he doesn't really know what his best team is at the moment he's made 76 changes to his starting 11s in the Premier League alone and that's I think that's above 100 150 in all competitions this season uh, and there's been heavy rotation there's not really been a settled side all year I don't think um, so it, ugh, I don't know I don't, it almost feels like they're all on, on trial a little bit for a couple of weeks before you know like kind of yeah. before an FA Cup game where a, if a lower league team get drawn against a, a big team in the Premier League and the manager goes, oh, this is their chance to kind of show me that they deserve to to play in this game. It, it, I don't know, maybe, that, maybe that's a bit of a silly point to make, but it does feel as if it's all geared towards that that night. Yeah, but there does need to be some sort of reaction. Obviously, Jonathan said before about two games, two defeats, no goals, and fairly insipid, particularly in the last 20 minutes against Tottenham. Sam, one of the big things that's been banded around, I don't necessarily buy into it, is that Mourinho kind of out-tacticked Guardiola and he, and he caught <laughs> him on the hop a little bit. Um, probably Jose Mourinho. A lot of to- <laughs> I do follow a lot of Tottenham fans on, on Twitter. Yeah, but there did, see- <laughs> there did seem to be times in the game where little slips in concentration let them goals sneak through I don't think obviously the decisions that went against Manchester City in the game obviously were pretty definitive but there did seem to be points in the game where the concentration did just slip and allow Tottenham them chances to score yeah I mean they were to blame for what happened let's let's not say they were fantastic for 90 minutes but they're fantastic for an hour I think not just the chances they had but just the way they created them I don't I don't even think City had played like that for for a while in terms of consistently playing through teams and getting mm. to the byline and cutting the ball back and having a good opportunity from close in. They they did that much better than they have done in weeks, I think. Um, and they just didn't take the chances. But if anyone thinks Mourinho pulled off some kind of masterclass, they're having a laugh, honestly, because it could have, it, it could have easily been 4-0 at half-time, easily. The Spurs were terrible. They didn't do anything. Mm. Yeah, that, Fine, they, they, I don't know if you could say they deserved it in the end, but I mean, the goals they scored, no complaints. And City with the red card were 
I think people honest, look at it as a, downfall, but as a Mourinho masterclass because they had a couple of chances, scored them and, and kept a clean sheet. But the fact is, City had half a dozen really, really good chances and it was their fault they didn't score. It wasn't. It was nothing to do with Spurs stopping them. They had a, they had a penalty. They hit the woodwork twice. They had, you know, Aguero had a couple of great chances as well. Gundogan should have scored. You know, there's so many good chances that they just cut through Spurs regularly. It's the same old thing with them every week, though. Even when they were scoring like two or three or four, you go, well, they should have scored seven, eight. Yeah, or when they did get eight, there was a bit of a should have been <laughs> ten by as well. Yeah, yeah, but it was the same. It was the same last year and the same the year before. They were scoring loads of goals, but Guardiola would always say we're missing loads of chances, and like everyone, like kind of laughed along a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, but it's I, but it was the truth. Yeah, and it has been coming. But it has, but, but again, when you look at these situations, and yeah, I do agree with Sam, there's a lot of needle from Tottenham fans, particularly on social media, of that Mourinho kind of foxed him. As I say, I, I honestly don't believe That's that. Outrageous. Sam's going to throw something at me in a minute. But I can't those, believe anyone will say that. Those, those goals were sickeners for City, because I think when the first goal went in, Stephen Bergwin's goal, you just thought... Are they going to wrestle this back? Are they going to, and that that for me has been a little bit of an issue at points this season, where there's been situations in games last season they were so ruthless. The players, the manager, the whole vibe around the club, you just thought City are going to win this. They're going to get back into this. I don't even have to almost watch the last fifteen or twenty minutes. I just know they are. They've lost that this season. Um, I still mean, so a bit, but they were dead on their feet at two 0 weren't they? That was it. Mm. It was like they're not. You know, they're not getting back from this. But they've been a lot of Palace game. They, there was a sense that they were going to do something against Palace. Even though it's all crosses now, there was a sense that they were going to get back into it and then they just stupidly gave it away again. But that's not because they, there wasn't a sense they were going to do something. No, it's, I've noticed in kind of over, even over the whole four years that Guardiola's been here is that when they, con- when they concede one in a big game, they'll go and concede another like quite quickly. And they, they find it, I mean, obviously not every every time they can see, but they, they find it sometimes a little bit difficult to regroup. Yeah, Gundogan said that didn't he after the Champions League game last year when it not conceding wise, but when they when Aguero missed the penalty at Spurs, he said exactly that didn't he? he was like, sometimes we don't recover well after setbacks. They, they've been conceding the first goal more often this season. I think they had a bit of a run at home where they conceded the first goal five times. Uh, I think they came back to win three or four of them. They did Leicester and but, Chelsea, didn't they? Which could yeah, have been yeah. Uh, there was another one with the way it was. There was a goal ruled out for VAR when when so that would have been that it would have been an, a, a ridiculous run. Palace was another one, obviously, and you just you can't do that. You can't keep no. conceding the first goal and against teams who were just going to sit back and 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 just try and destroy Pep's plan of of how to get you know get these crosses in that kind of thing. And it is quite amusing that we're having this conversation that they're they're on two points a game in the Carabao Cup final, still in the FA Cup. Yeah. Oh, well, still I, in the Champions League. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's I asked, well, that, that's, how far, that's kind know. of why I asked Pep that question earlier. Like, on the one <clears> hand, <throat> you've obviously got problems with creating chances, well, scoring chances. Sorry. On the other hand, you've scored hundred oh, two goals or hundred and five or whatever. How, how do you how do you explain that? And he was, like, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Well, well that, which is good because I don't think anyone else does. Like you just say there, it's funny, isn't it? Because we're not we're not talking about City as if they're in crisis, but you know these are the conversations you have when a team's underperforming severely, but. Well, well down the table with it. Well, from one manager who doesn't really know what's going on to another manager who definitely doesn't know what's going on, and that's David Moyes. The Moyes res- revolution hasn't really kicked in at the London Stadium. Just one Premier League win in six games since he came into the club. What on earth is going on? I mean, we didn't expect fireworks, but did we really expect it to be this bad? I mean, it's 
pretty poor yeah. last weekend at three three all against Brighton they went ahead came back they were two goals ahead with half an hour to go against a Brighton side that are really really low on confidence and they just let them back in again well at least he's got some backroom staff now okay he's been, he's been that's working. real positive <laughs> he's been working with like one assistant and one goalkeeping coach for the last however long six weeks or however long it's been which is just how can you Freddie, you, Freddie Youngberg how can you territory a, that you can't run a football club like that no but that, that's that's the, what I, when you said who could see this coming I know it sounds really derogatory I've got no problem with West Ham but it's West Ham isn't it like, of course you can see these things happening there's just no structure to any of it I don't. I just don't bottom. understand how you can how you can appoint a new manager and not have a backroom team with him and wasn't their scouting department team? revealed this week to be like yeah. six people yeah. six or seven people and one of them was like Pellegrini's son one of them was the old sporting director's son Incredible, <laughs> but it's, it's just West Ham. It's the it's the results when you look at it, not just the Ricky. performances. They don't seem to be able to to turn any sort of situation in their favour. And in these sort of situations, when you're being mentioned as a relegation con- candidate, you need confidence. You need your experienced players to stand up. And Moyes comes in on this brief. I I don't ab- agree with it, but he comes in on this brief of oh he's a relegation specialist. He'll you know he'll drag a team away from it. It's definitely not the case in the past, and I don't think it's going to be the case now. So how or what or anything can he do to try and get some life into them? Well, he's just got to build a bit of team spirit and you hope that, like Jack says, bringing in some backroom staff just might give them a bit of solidity. But you, you look at the team and you think there's no... I don't know who's going to get the goals. And They did score three goals last week, obviously, so that's probably a daft point. But you, there's no real out-and-out striker you think he's going to save us. Hallow, I've not been overly impressed with him. He's got six, six in 22 in the league. yeah. It doesn't seem like the sort of player you would want at this back end of the season when you've got to get when the chances are rare and you've got to take every single one of them. Snodgrass, I like. He's he's he's, the battler, and he's the one that you'd think. And he's got a bit of spark as well. Like he can create stuff and he can get a goal himself. But these sort of issues are going to continue. And obviously, we're talking about relegation candidates. It seems to be almost a relegation weekend this weekend, and they're coming thick and fast. The matches for West Ham. After City this weekend, it's Liverpool away, Southampton at home, maybe a little bit of relief, West Ham away, Wolves, Tottenham, Chelsea. We could be in a situation whereby in the middle of April, they've picked up at least, I don't know, maybe three, four, five points from that and they'll be right, right in the mix to go down. Yeah, but it's not not sticking up for David Moyes here at all. But Careful. This is not a, it's not a Moyes problem, this. He's yeah, walked, exactly. he's, Moyes has walked into... Hmm. Just a farcical situation. I mean, but he no, has taken the job. Yeah, well, he's taken the job because he's desperate for a job. Um, well, I mean, he did it right last the time. Most, the most damning thing was Mark Noble when Mark Noble spoke last week, and he said, "I'm 33, and the club are still having to trust me to put performances in." I.e., yeah. a they've not spent well enough, and b that the players they have brought in just they don't really yeah, care and they've not improved them. I mean, the captain saying that, so I'm not sure how a new manager. Is supposed to turn turn that around so quickly, but when you look at the players they've got, and obviously we, we all try and build almost like a relegation proof team in our head of, of what you need in terms of players, experience, and the key thing of scoring goals when you when you're struggling down the bottom end of the table. As as we've said, they don't seem to have any of these things. And you know, Snodgrass, as Sam mentioned, he can get a goal or he can create something, but throughout the team there just seems to be a real lack of cohesion and, and they do only seem to be heading in one direction. Given that run of games and given the fact that you know we, we expect City to beat them this weekend, are you worried for them? Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Because 
a team or a club like that that doesn't really have a an identity or hasn't for the last couple of years, doesn't really know what it is. It's gone from Moyes keeping them up um, to like Pellegrini. What did they say when they when they appointed Pellegrini? They want winning football or... There was some stupid yeah. buzz phrase, phrase that came. Well, there was the, there was the whole thing of the ten year plan of Champions League football, the stadium, etc., etc. Et and that's it's just, just nonsense. It's just how can you go from Moyes to Pellegrini, back to Moyes, and expect things to work out? I, I just don't. I don't get it. There doesn't seem to be a clear plan to what they're doing. And then obviously the you know the supporters have told them what they think of him. Yeah, well, on that on that particularly high point of, of David Moyes, do we see any anything here for West Ham? I'm assuming we're going full house for a Manchester City win, Jonathan. Yeah, know City win. I, I think yeah. I think West Ham are going to go this season. Yeah, going down. Would you give us, would you give us a prediction for this one? Um, I, I'll go five nil to City. Five nil. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say that. Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised. Really, Jack? Yeah, five, and it should have been nine. <laughs> I'd be surprised if it was one all. Yeah, no, like, it's just really. Big, yeah, because normally I think I, before the Palace game, I. Sat over in the corner and went, City are fine now. They'll win. They've got 15 games left. They'll probably win 13 of them. They'll be absolutely fine. But um, they need to get on with winning those 13 now because I think a couple <laughs> of games later, it's not looking too good. Okay. They haven't turned it around yet. Moving on. Uh, Everton, Crystal Palace. Uh, things don't really seem to have settled under Carlo Ancelotti at Everton. Last weekend's probably the biggest symbol of that so far. Chaotic stuff. 3-2 win at Watford. Two goals for Yerry Mina. Somehow Theo Walcott getting himself a winning goal in, in the last couple of minutes. Two clean sheets in the last eight shows that they're leaking goals and trying to kind of play this fly by the seat of their pants football and, and see if they can nick a point or nick a result. But in saying that, they have pulled themselves back into the Europa League conversation. Yeah, it's no worse than any other clubs around that part around of the table. Around them. Yeah, I mean, you'd say like Wolves are a better bet, but you know Wolves are just as inconsistent for different reasons. Like, and then like United, Spurs, even Chelsea, you're not sure what they're going to do from one week to the next. Um, Everton have been alright I think Richarlison I don't know maybe it's the old overperforming thing that you got to look out for now when you talk about footballers doing well but I think he's had a really good start to the year obviously that coincides with, with Ancelotti they're still a bit everton aren't they they still get the ball forward mm. quickly and get it in there and Calvert-Lewin started off right I'm not sure how many goals he scored recently I'm ashamed to say but him and Richarlison they'll, they'll give you a lot and when, you, when you're talking about a team like West Ham yeah, Everton aren't going to find themselves under Ancelotti. They're not going to find themselves down there. But if, if it's enough to string together sixth, I don't think so. But if, if those two played for Sheffield United, they'd probably finish in the Champions League. Well, well, this is the situation they find themselves in, and it's a strange one to go, do they deserve it? At the start of the season, there was optimism, maybe even a top four push. I think we would all kind of say that was a bit much, despite the money they spent. Do they deserve to be back in this conversation, considering how bad they were under Silva and then... Things have taken a while to really get going under Ancelotti. If they were to get sixth or seventh, and and that was enough, if if the cup uh, went their way to get into the Europa League, do they deserve it over the other sides that are fighting with them? Oof. There's not. No one deserves it, really, do they? Like Sheffield United do, because I think yeah. the expectations. It's a crap league. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very good. It's not a very good division. There aren't that many good teams in it. So, but, if, but given those sides around them, so if we're to say if the top four is fairly solid, then the sides under who who would you who would you say based on the first two thirds of the season who should be in those other spots? Sheffield United. Yeah, it'd be, I'd, it'd be a real shame if Sheffield United didn't. Man United. I think Spurs more than United because yeah, I'd say Spurs have had a bit a load of turmoil and just they're I don't know, they're not very good, but they're getting results. But Everton don't fit into that group. No, for I me, I don't, no, think, they don't. I think. I think they're probably like the tenth, ninth or tenth 
Well, probably even lower That's than that. That's the problem, that. isn't it? They're above Arsenal. It says everything, doesn't it? All, all of those. Like they're inseparable, I think, just about just for results from all those teams we mentioned. And then that's the top half. And then it's Burnley in 11th. And they're better than them. And they're better than Newcastle. So we think, do we think they're going to sneak it? Do you think they'll no, sneak into no. Europa? No, because teams like United, they can be bad. But like when they beat Norwich at home 4 0, nobody thinks it solved any of the problems. But it's just like, okay, yeah, United should have won that. So it's fine. So it goes under the radar a bit when they win. But when Everton win, it's, you know, it's bigger. It's a thing. It's the same as Sheffield United. How many wins have Sheffield United got? Is it, was it nine last time? Yeah. When they were, oh, it's, congratulations, this is ninth win in the Premier League. You think, instinctively, you think they've done so well. If you had to guess how many wins they've got without doing the maths in your head, you'd probably think 13 or 14 yeah. or loads. And you think, last week they battled to that ninth win, and you think, that's all it takes in this league at the minute to get there. And United will get, United could get nine wins easily, even if they're terrible. But their problem is they'll lose when they play. I don't know, anyone semi-competent and defending at Old Trafford. Well, the big thing that Ancelotti is going to face this summer, he's going to have questions over players that he might look to move on. There's a lot of players in that Everton squad that have been there for a long time and that when Silva came in, I think there was a bit of optimism from fans that certain players were going to get moved on, there was going to be a new Everton, a new wave. I don't necessarily think that was completely unfounded, maybe a little bit overly optimistic, but Ancelotti, you would expect him to get backed with money this summer, maybe not as much as Silva, I think, uh, Farhad Mashiri might be a little bit more cagey but there's players in that squad that he's going to have to move on and there's going to be some tough decisions for him to make Yeah I'm just trying to go over the Everton squad in my head really and It's a bit of a rabble there's, isn't it? There's, yeah there's no one you say oh, they must keep him and there's no one you say well they have to go really Well probably Calvert-Lewin would stay, would be yeah. on that list Luca Dean would be on that list um, so Richarlison if they can keep him if there's no big money comes in I'm not I'm not overly impressed with Dina that much. Um, the goalie, I, I think he's okay, but you could quite easily bring in a better keeper. Rich Charleston, yeah, I'd keep him. But then if the, if you get offered ninety million by Barcelona, if that ever happens, swap him for that. Messi, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's it, I think it's a difficult one to you, to upgrade the squad. It's um, it's all they're all decent players, um, so. You just got to bring in a, a few, make them stronger, and then go again. Maybe a couple more in January, and then go again. Ancelotti is a good person to trust to to do that. There's an there is an age thing with Everton as well. Like kind of Coleman's on his way out, so Sidibe's got to become a, a proper player for them. Delph, wrong side of thirty, played quite a bit, hasn't he? Sig- Schneiderlin, Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson. I mean, there's quite. There That's are always quite having a go at people as well. Aren't he? Like. Yeah, he loves I mean, a booking or a red card. He's missing a bit in City, but I don't know. How much is he rowing with people? It's always oh. there's always like screenshots of his Instagram. Where <laughs> got fans on there. But there is like there's not a it's not a rebuild, is it? But it's a bit of a reshuffle that, as John says, has got to be done over time and carefully. Um, and I think in because some of the some of those are real key positions in the spine of the team. I think they're going to have to spend quite a lot of money on younger talent abroad. Which I think Mashiriel is the sort of person that won't be able to help himself spending yeah. one massive transfer. Yeah. Or but they might be a little bit you've got stung Marcel by Brands there as well. He kind of, if you've got Brands, then you kind of trust him to pull the mm. strings and, and make use of his contacts and all that kind of stuff. Especially with Ancelotti, you've got you've got. To, there's no point in getting Ancelotti halfway through the season and going, "We're not sure about this investment in the summer." Yeah, he's not yeah. Ancelotti. <laughs> I'm running the risk of pointing out the obvious here, but <laughs> Go actually, on. Like, he's not Allardyce, he's not Moyes, is he? It's no. like this is a three, four year thing, is what they would hope. Yeah. So they've got to kind of but look still... towards that rather than, I mean, they were similar to similar to West Ham in a, in a 
in a way, what we were saying before is like they Allardyce and Silver, and they're not really they weren't really sure. And now they've just got to stick with what what they've chosen yeah. within Ancelotti and just say, right, this is it. This At is least Ancelotti's a coach. I mean, poor Pellegrini. It's a bit like City scoring loads of goals but not scoring goals. Like I can't quite work out if Pellegrini's a good coach, even though he's won titles and done well in Spain. I just I don't I don't know. I, if I had a gun to my head, I'd probably say, no, he isn't. But at least, you know, Ancelotti is fantastic. So. Yeah, well, if we, can't, if we can't figure out Everton, we definitely can't figure out Palace. Um, they just seem to be perpetually trapped in this kind of cyclone in midfield, at mid, um, in mid-table. And again, it just looks like such a mad situation. No win in six, one win in ten, but they don't seem to be losing. They just seem to always have enough to get a point. And they're not quite just keeping their head above water. They're probably a bit better than that. In 14th at the minute, 30 points, six points outside the drop zone. You'd expect them to get the magic 40-point mark and, and be safe, but it's such a strange situation where they just constantly seem to be moving sideways. It's, it feels like it's gone a little bit stale at Palace at the moment. You, you know, Wilfred Zaha's fantastic player, but he's not really done a great deal this season. You watch him and he, he does a couple of runs and you think, that you know, that is the Zaha, that is the player we love. He's not doing it regularly. He's not winning matches like he has done for the previous couple of seasons, and and it, it just feels like that all the way through the through the team. I mean, if 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 I use your best player, you know, he's a good player and he's had a good, good season, but he's not someone who's going to take you way where you want to go on the fringes of Europa, you know, competing for cup competitions. And I really like Roy. Um, he's fan- yeah, fantastic. <laughs> you know, he's he's, he's still going uh, in his seventies, fantastic yeah. and everything like that, but. Just feel like maybe just needs a little bit. That's why they don't lose. He's a good organizer, isn't he? Mm. Right. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're incredibly they, organized. If they were to get the wrong manager in after him, be like you know, Kerbisley at yeah. Charlton years ago, it's like they could that could be a real. They problem. could sink like a stone. They, you would think they always used to get penalties, and like Milivojevic would score in like the seventy sixth minute, and that would be enough. But it's not anymore. And even Zaha, he's not a massive outlet for them anymore, is he? But they still do seem to just have that little bit to, to get a result and you know you look at some of the, the recent results draw against Arsenal that draw yeah, against City that we mentioned they, they do seem to have enough you'd be hard pushed to say or maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating that they're going to get sucked into it do we see them potentially in, well, in the coming weeks I think they'll have enough um, they, only, they probably only need two wins and a couple of draws I don't think you're going to need 40 to stay up this year um, and you know we were talking about do certain teams deserve you know, whatever this year, Palace deserve to stay up because the yeah. results they've, they've taken off some of the bigger clubs. Um, and that is largely down to Hodgson, I think. I think he's done a really, really good job. Yeah, in terms uh, of coaching. Not, and... Yeah, they not, don't really spend that much money. Pretty similar squad to last year. Um, and they're just like kind of plugging along, aren't they? I mean, just Hodgson's. Hodgson's great with us. So I think people kind of yeah. want him to do well. Um, yeah, you'd be surprised how far that goes in journalism. You really, yeah, <laughs> it's sickening, really, isn't it? But it's true. <laughs> you, you look at those two two pieces of the Jenga set. If he was to leave and Zaha was to leave, or even just one of them was to leave, you, you could see the wheels coming off fairly quickly. Very quickly, uh, predictions. Jonathan, we'll go with you first. Everton at home, they've got their eye on a Europa League spot. If they win this, they'll go up into the Europa League spots for the first time since Ancelotti came in. But Palace, as we say. They're always there, dogging away. How do you see this going? I'm going to go 2-1 to Everton. I'm just going to nick, nick it late on. Jack? one all. <clears throat> yeah, one all. I think. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Thriller. But, yeah, they could nick it quite easily. Go on, John. Go back, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would have done that if he'd not gone first. 
<laughs> right. OK, we'll leave it there for now. After the break, we're going to be looking at the other two Premier League games this weekend as my beloved Sheffield United host Bournemouth and Watford go to Brighton in a real relegation scrap. Sports Social. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Preview Show. As ever, we are your go-to source for all things Premier League. Just hit the subscribe button on this show and you'll get a fresh episode straight to you every single day, wherever you get your podcasts from. Now, before the break, we chatted about Everton against Crystal Palace and Manchester City taking on West Ham. We're going to move over to Sheffield United. They take on Bournemouth this weekend. Now, if the Blades win, they go up into fifth with Manchester United not playing. It's been a favourite topic on the podcast so far this season. Sheffield United, aren't they doing well? Aren't they doing this well? But they are. And I think that the result last weekend against Crystal Palace, yeah, it was one of the most bizarre own goals you'll see. That's probably their first real massive piece of game-winning luck they've had this season. Yeah, I've been impressed with the way they um, navigate games and they control it in midfield. Um, And when they get broken in midfield, one of the three centre-halves normally sticks a red on it. And And clears it up. Yeah, it's just... it's a man how far a good coaching gets you in it. Yeah, yeah. with, they, that, with mean, that group of players. They play quite an expansive... Obviously, they're very expansive with the way they play, but like everything's quite basic at the same time. Yeah. So he's, he's obviously done well to kind of simplify what he wants out of those players. And, you know, hindsight tells you that they did the right thing last summer and they didn't, they didn't do a Villa and they didn't spend £100 million or whatever Villa spent and they've now gone, right, we're probably going to be safe this year. Let's spend some money in January looking ahead to next year, which is exactly what promoted clubs should do. And there was that trust in the team that got them up from the Championship to start with. And when you look at, the, as Jack rightly says, that core of players, there is still the majority of them that got them through the, the battle that is the Championship, 46 games, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday in the second half of the season. It's, it's such a difficult league to get out of. And then to still have the ability, and as Sam mentioned, the, the excellent coaching behind the scenes to keep producing these performances. That now, when they play a side that are around them in the table, or even the example of Bournemouth a bit further down, we're actually expecting them to win. We're almost looking at this game and going, if Sheffield United didn't win this, that'd be a bit of a poor result. And we'd be maybe not disappointed, but certainly fairly surprised. Yeah, you, you get the feeling that everyone at the club is working together. The fans are completely behind everything they're doing. There's no... They're never going to criticise anyone on, on the pitch. The players trust each other. They're all working together, and they're, they're just a good team. They play they play good football. They're not they're not necessarily a long ball team. They're not a a passing team. They they they, they do everything. They can do everything. They play everything well, and they've reached that stage where they are one of those sides who are promoted and they stick together. And it can get you a long way. It could, it could get them in, keep them in in the Premier League for three or four years, keeping going like that. The worry is four or five years down the line, things can get a little bit it can go off we've seen it with teams like Bournemouth. like Wigan and like yeah, Bournemouth. Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah so that but at the moment it's great and, the, and and hats off to everybody involved with them it's in the fixtures coming up yeah I'm just looking through here so they've got 15 games between now and the end of the season only four of them are they playing sides above them so when we talk about runs to, to get up a bit of momentum and, and achieve your objectives the door's swinging open for them to, to get Europa League yeah so Bournemouth home Brighton home Norwich home, yeah. Next three, 
You could see that feasibly being nine points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Newcastle away. And also, you you look at sort of Wolves and United. How seriously are they going to start taking Europe? Because you can see them getting through to the quarterfinals quite easily, and then all of a sudden it opens up. Certainly for United, the idea, well, at Wolves too, actually, the idea of winning that competition and getting into the Champions League it's around April time could be absolutely crucial. So they could just, yeah, they could just, they could just have it. enough. One, obviously, Jack mentioned it there, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it is true, Sam. When we, when we talk about the situation with Bournemouth, the comments that we just made about Sheffield United, two years ago, when Bournemouth were in this situation, we were making exactly the same comments. When they were at home against the side, in and around them in the table, we started to expect certain things maybe that was right maybe that was wrong but now that kind of those assumptions that we make about Bournemouth is is really taking a bit of a hit this season I know obviously they've had unbelievably bad luck with injuries but perceptions of Bournemouth have, have changed quite a bit this season and they do look a bit more vulnerable yeah again like I mentioned with United earlier United beat Norwich at home and that's fine um, but you really notice when they underperform but Bournemouth they could be ninth on match of the day and no one would notice but Whenever they did well, they'd bang them on first. So for a month, you'd go, "Oh yeah, Bournemouth doing really well. Why doesn't Eddie Howe get a big job?" And then they'll lose or one, they'll win one game in ten, and no one will notice. So they've always had that run in them, or at least they did last season. Um, and yeah, given the injuries now, that's there you go. The, the, the difference between those wins they were getting and the good runs is the injuries they've had. I think it's it's got to be as simple as that, really. But there has key players now. They haven't got them. There has been a bit of a spark in the last couple of weeks. Back to back wins for only the second time this season. First time since September. Do we think Howe's got enough for kind of one last hurrah? You know, he hasn't been hasn't been under this sort of pressure at Bournemouth since he, he went there or since they got promoted. This is the first time where we're really talking about them being in the mix to go down because maybe wrongly in previous seasons we thought he's too astute, the players are too experienced, they'll be fine. But now we're having that conversation or, or do you think there's enough to, to keep them out of it? I think, they, yeah, I think they have enough and I think he's a good coach and... Everyone I've spoken to who's kind of been in and around him or played under him says he's he's a good man manager and he's able to g people up and get performances out of them. I wonder whether they're a little bit like a little bit like Burnley in a way, in that they'll go like Sam was saying they'll go and lose like four games and then they'll win three, and then you go all right, well, well that's enough, isn't it? Yeah, and that <laughs> generally is enough, and I think that might be the way it goes. Um, but you can't you can't look past the injuries. I mean, no. when they went, when they were going through their really bad spell, they were just they had half a squad, didn't they? Yeah, he was he was naming five, six teenagers on the bench yeah. and just kind of scrabbling around. But it's more, I think, it's more certain players coming back into the team. Callum Wilson's obviously back now. Ryan Fraser has had a couple of injuries; he's been in and out of the team. But there's still players that you know. David Brooks was one last season that everyone looked at and thought he's just such a massive prospect. He's had terrible luck with injuries this season. Well, yeah, and you yeah. can't, you kind of can't legislate for that, I suppose. Especially um, not a club like that. No, and the the other issue they'll have, which I think Sheffield United, you know, if Sheffield United would stay in the in the division for two or three years, they'll they'll come across this as well. In that, the players that get the press and the exciting players, the attacking players, will go like they're seeing it with Ryan Fraser now. But he'll. I think House His said contact other, situations really yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah. There'll House be another the bid for him this summer you'd expect. Um, if that was at a bigger club, there'd be loads made of that because there was like statements from the board and everything, wasn't there, about need to clarify this and that and all of that. That was back in the summer. But because it's Bournemouth, again, it doesn't get much national coverage. But yeah, you're right. But in terms of this weekend, obviously, uh, it's a str- such a strange one. So I- I'm going to go with predictions here. 
Bournemouth are actually the form book team. Back-to-back wins, despite everything we've just said over the last couple of minutes, they are in better form than, than Sheffield United, albeit just uh, Sheffield United won one in their last three. Sheffield United, you would expect to have enough to win this, but does then that send Bournemouth back into a bit of a spiral if they do? Yeah, uh, well, um, like we were saying about West Ham, I don't see any goal scorers. I think Bournemouth do have goal scorers in their squad if they can get them fit. I think Callum Wilson's on a bit of a bad trot at the moment, but Josh King there too. So I think they they can get out of it. And and I think like Jack was saying, just they are capable of putting those string of results together. So, But, but they, they could do, the, yeah, it would be such a huge boost for them to get something this weekend. Which way are you going on this? Do you, do you see it? Can you see them getting a draw, even possibly? Or I, was look, I was looking at the stats and it looks like there's going to be very few chances, very few goals. And on a, on a terrible match of day as it is, this isn't <laughs> going to be one worth watching. So I'm going to go 1-0 to Sheffield United. Oh, go on. Jack, would you, um, any advance on I'm that? I'm going to go 1-1 again. 1-1 again. The draw man. Sam? Yeah, I think it's going to be really tight. Um, I just, I've got this thing about teams like that and the consistency is not there. And... They can just lose it. Like when Wolves lost twice to Huddersfield last season, like for no reason. Can't analyse that. How does that happen? Um, it just happens sometimes with these teams that are punching above their weight, really. And I just, I, w- I do think they should win, for sure. I completely agree with you on that. But I, my little theory is these teams don't have the consistency, and somehow I don't think they'll win. So what are we going for? Bournemouth. Bournemouth, wow, okay, fair enough. Uh, continuing the last on the match of the day theme, the last day, uh, sorry, the last game on the Football Social Daily Premier League preview show is Brighton against Watford. Now, when we were planning for the show outside, everyone just kind of looked over at each other like, ah, oh, right, okay, what can we say about this? So, come on, give us something, give us anything. I'm going to start you off on a nice negative for you to for you to get G'd up on. Watford have won one in their last five. Brighton have won none in their last five. If you're a Brighton fan looking at this game and you lose, where do you go from here? Are, are they done? It's no, too early not. to be done, isn't it? It's too early do to be think? done. If they were to lose, I don't think it's like, oh, well, that's it. Because as we mentioned, you can you can get a couple of goals from nowhere. Look at them last week against West Ham. You know, if, if you do that once or twice, it's probably going to be enough given what they've got already. I don't think they're great, but I don't think if they lose, we're going to be saying that's them and Norwich down. But do you think they're the closest team in terms of the conversation we're going down with Norwich? Do you think they're the, the next worst team? Well, Villa just keep plodding along, but not with quite enough. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I've got the sensation that, you know, Villa are all right. But then you look at the table, they think, no, they're not all right at all, and I'm not sure where they'll, where they'll get the wins. And again, maybe with Villa, they, they have got a little bit, um, obviously with Grealish. But there's, someone seems to score the goals. They've got the new striker, Samata. I never want to hear a pun about that ever again. But um, he might he might be alright. It'd be interesting <laughs> to see how he does. Um, yeah, no. So I'm I'm thinking Villa will be more of a struggle. Obviously, they play next weekend. Um, yeah, Brighton, Brighton are weird, but they've never been particularly good, have they? Well, like, they're, better, they're, they're better now, aren't they? But getting worse results. Do you know what? I think I think you've absolutely nailed it. Yeah, but I think it's perceptions oh, of of um, <laughs> Chris Hutton in this situation. He'd be getting absolutely destroyed because he would be a bit more pragmatic and a bit more defensive, whereas. Potter has expanded horizons a little bit, but points on the board and actual performances are not that great. I think sometimes we do get whipped up in this idea of, oh, well, you know, they've made this many more successful passes or this or this or this. Well, no, but the performances still haven't been great. Apparently they've missed quite a lot of key chances in in matches as well where they've been on top and they haven't managed to kind of capitalise on that and then ended up drawing or losing the match. Um They've got good players as well, haven't they? I know it's, yeah. it's a bit of a they cliche, have, but, but they have got, got Mopar. I know he hasn't scored in a while. Thank but the, John for that. But he hasn't scored in a while, has he? Um, 
Prop, David Proper's good. Um, Trossard, I like the look of him, but he's, he didn't start against Bournemouth. I couldn't tell you why that was, but that was. Well, this is a big game, lads. Like, put your, one of your best players in. And then Glenn Norrie's back now, and he scored the other day. So uh, somehow I think they'll cobble something together. I think they've got one less weekend. One less point at the same time last season under Hewton. But I think the difference is, um, I, I remember watching them around this time 12 months ago, the game against Newcastle, and it was absolutely painful to watch them. Yeah. They had they had no adventure about them at all. It was like they were playing for a nil-nil draw yeah, at home. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just the pits. And you thought at that point, he's, he has to go. They have to survive, stay up, and then he has to go. because They did that this season, they, didn't they? Didn't they have a terrible game at Newcastle? It was like half-five on a Saturday. I remember driving back yeah, from City and thinking, hearing and it on won, the radio, and it was like, oh my God. Yeah. Was it 1-0 in the end? Like a really late goal, real like scrappy late goal? Scandal, really, yeah. One of those kind of results. They've only won twice since they gave Potter that 100-year oh, contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was the curse of the long contract. I mean, Sam does have a good point in terms of goals and, and goal scorers. More, more plays taken to the Premier League quite well. Watford is is a completely different situation, and we were chatting on the podcast last week about Pearson came in, and and we all looked at that he got them organised. They were, they weren't conceding goals. They were pragmatic to the extreme. Could there be a bit of an argument made that have they peaked a little bit early in terms of what he wants in a month's time or six weeks' time? That's what you want Pearson Ball to be. Yeah. Whereas now, have they got enough to to keep themselves in the conversation? Because that's his that's his modus operandi. Really, really organise at the back and see if Deeney can get us a goal up front. Yeah, but he's changed it around in terms of the the, the confidence inside the club. You know, the, it, it came on the back of the second half of last season. They were, they were on a downward slope, got battered in the FA Cup final, and started this season terribly, absolutely awful. And he and he and he's he has sorted them out, and he's given them a bit of confidence that they can score goals. And if you're taking if you're taking I don't know. If you're winning every other game, then you get you got yourself a chance of of staying up this season, and that's around about what he's averaging. I think, isn't it? There are thereabouts. Yeah, the I mean, the problem is they had no points when he took over. Yeah, yeah. If they were, if they'd have got a few more, then I'd be like, oh no, they'd be fine. But, but it's just the problem with their their hamstring ball happened before, and they've been in close games recently, haven't they? Like yeah. Two last two late losses, and they missed the pen against Spurs. It's actually turned, also turned into a thirty six game season for them because they've got City and Arsenal last two games of the season, so they want to be safe before. Well, we were saying that Manchester City could be in the in the Champions League final resting players. Yeah, but you don't want to go. Guardiola might be signing Messi's contract. You don't. <laughs> you don't want to be going into those games needing points. No, no, so no he's no. kind of contracted it a little bit. Yeah, and and but that will surely play into Pearson's hands. The type of manager that he is, he will have he will have been doing his his Jack Gorn homework and be checking where those <laughs> games are and thinking we need to be okay by then. Do you think that could actually help them rather than thinking right? We've got a little bit more. We maybe nick a point here and that'll save us. Mm. Yeah, there was. Um, I don't know whether it last, whether it was. It must have been last season actually. Burnley had exactly the same thing, where they had a horrible like run of fixtures right at the end of the season, and then you could tell watching them like everything was geared up for specific points in the games beforehand, and they were just like inching towards that rather than playing every game on its merit. They were playing the points hall that they needed. So maybe that'll. Look, I don't know. Maybe that's the sort of thing that focuses minds. I, I don't. I've not been professional footballer or manager so I don't know <laughs> um, it's a difficult one to call this because there's even though there is still so long to go in the season there is a lot of pressure placed on this fixture for managers for players for everybody involved I, I don't really think, think that either sets of fans will be looking forward to this necessarily again Jonathan I'm going to start with you again we're going to go round give you the easy one 
how do you see this going? I mean, we don't expect this to be a thriller. Do, do you see I, I, I someone? Think, I really, think there could be goals in this one. Yeah, really. Yeah, so I'm going to go three two to Watford. Is that based on last weekend's ridiculous one against what uh, Everton? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the yeah. And West Ham one and West Ham. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it'll be an entertaining one. This, but you think they'll edge it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I like I like what Pearson's doing. I think it, and it'll put just put a little bit more pressure on Brighton. I think they're just starting to feel the, feel the pinch a bit. Okay, Jack, would you follow that? It'd be a bit more sensible. Less than five goals, <laughs> goal. more than five goals. Goalless. Goalless. Zero, zero. Oh, okay, okay right. We're there. we're living in a world of extremes. <laughs> Sam Lee, so often the man of reason no, in the football know. social daily. I have no idea. Um, I'm I'm thinking Watford, but to add it two one. I mean, it's the most Mark Lawrence prediction ever. <laughs> I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. No, the, Mark, the most Mark Lawrence prediction ever is for Liverpool, Liverpool to win, to win 30 30 games. Yeah. Liverpool season. to win this game. He, he'd be predicting <laughs> Liverpool to win this game somehow. <laughs> Listen, it's been a very relegation-focused show today. So to end it, we're going to test our guests' knowledge of relegation. We're going to have a relegation-themed quiz. Now, nobody likes relegation. Nobody likes talking about relegation. So I've sweetened the deal here, and we've got a couple of beers on offer. So very simple. We've got 12 questions. Whoever gets the most points gets to do some daytime drinking and have two beers before their breakfast. I don't know if you've had your breakfast yet, or you can have it with your breakfast, however you want to do it, okay? So, fingers on buzzers. We don't have buzzers, so you just have to shout. 40 points is obviously always talked about as the magic mark for staying in the division. There's been three teams that have got 40 or more and still been relegated in the history of the Premier League. Name them. Come on, Jack. Go on, you've got something you're going to say. Oh, I think we got Think teams, think teams that have been relegated. Blackpool. No. 39. Burnley. 39. No. West Brom? No. Good. <laughs> Fulham? No. Manchester City? No. Wow, this is actually more difficult than I thought. Go on. Villa? No. Wigan? No. You said Wigan. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> no Black- points for Black- double Black- Wigan. No. Yeah, oh, Bolton? Correct. One point yeah. for Sam Lee. Bolton uh, got 40. That's, that's, not, in- that's ridiculous. That's not a quiz, it? that's word association. <laughs> well, that's, that's how it goes. Bolton got 40 <laughs> points in 97-98. Two more. Ipswich? No. Ooh. West Ham? Correct, one oh, point. Uh, West Ham were the only team to get over 40. They got 42 in 2002-2003 and stayed up. And the last one, 96-97. Uh, oh, Nottingham Forest? No. Oh, Coventry? No. Southampton? No. Sheffield Wednesday? No. Oh. Uh, good this. Barnsley? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Come on. Wimbledon. Give me, no, team, teams that have been down there. Uh, League One side at the moment. Portsmouth. No. Sunderland. Bingo. One, hey. one, one, one after the first round. Right. Well, Level pegging. Was Sunderland the last Sunderland was, team that we could have said? I think, uh, I yeah, think yeah, based yeah. on that list, yeah, we, we just went through just it. It's Swindon Town, I think. Possibly, possibly. Right. So, relegation. There's been four teams who've been relegated in the Premier League and then played European football the next season. Who are they? Wigan. Yes. Ugh. So who said Wigan? Sam. Sam. Two one, two one one. Go on. Three more. Ipswich. Correct. Oh, yeah. Come on, Jack. You're a point behind. Two more. So Ipswich qualified for the UEFA Cup in oh one oh two through the UEFA Fair Play League, and Wigan obviously winning the FA Cup against Manchester City got into the Europa League. Two more teams. Portsmouth. One. Pardon. Portsmouth. No, nope, they stayed oh, up that season. Great show. Charlton. Nope. Ninety seven. Ninety eight. Uh, this team qualified for the Intertoto Cup simply because they were the only team that actually applied, so they got in. Fulham? Nope. No, Sheffield Wednesday? Nope. Birmingham? 
No, but Birmingham is the other one. Oh, uh, beat Arsenal in the 2010 League Cup and then qualified. So we're all level. There's about. one more to go into the final round as the leader. Villa? No. Nope. 1997 98. Oh, yeah. Wimbledon? Nope. I think we said Wimbledon <laughs> before. Did I say Or I somebody said Wimbledon before. Correct geography for Wimbledon. Original Wimbledon, I mean. Charlton? No. Crystal Palace. Bingo. Right, so going into the last round, Jonathan's leading the bleeding the pack. We've got five. Uh, one of these is going to be really difficult. The rest, oh, I think difficult. you might get. Uh, five players have scored 15 or more goals for a side that were relegated. Oh. Take it away. Kevin Phillips? No. That's a good answer. So I'll give you a clue. Michael Ricketts? No. Andy Johnson? Correct. Yes. He's had the most 2004-5 for Crystal Palace. He got 21. Wow. Well in, Sam. So 3-3-2. Three, three, uh, 1992-93, maiden Premier League season for Crystal Palace, 15 yeah, goals. Right. Nope. Mark Bright. Bright. Nope, nope. Ooh. I'm not going to show myself up by guessing it. <laughs> Marco Gabbiadini. No, he went on to play for Tottenham after this. Yeah. Oh, uh, Chris... Armstrong. Armstrong. Oh! <laughs> right, right, it's 3-3 three, three across the board. You've got three more <laughs> to get. Nikola Zigic? No. So, uh, Middlesbrough, fit six, 16 goals in 1996 Ravinelli? Bingo! Oh, Four. Oh, did you name the club? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And then uh, a little bit closer to the current day, uh, 2011 12, 17 goals for Blackburn. Andy Cole? No. Santa Cruz? No. Benjani? No. Oh. Jonathan Justy's won Yacoubi. to win it. Uh, Bingo! Right. Who was it? Oh. Right. Last question. Winner takes all. 15 goals in 2016-17. Playing for Sunderland. Darren Bent? No. Jermaine Defoe? Bingo. And Jonathan wins it with the last kick kick of the game. That's two two beers for Jonathan Smith. Congratulations. Thank you very much. No hard feelings, guys. Uh, A race well well run. Jermaine Defoe screwing people over as usual. Which Which one was the hard one? Defoe? Uh, no, I was going for Chris Armstrong was the tough one, yeah. but I, we got we got over the line there eventually. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't have got that without Tottenham. Right, that's all from the Football Social Daily Premier League preview show. Don't forget, we have a fresh podcast every day here with Football Social Daily. Niall will be here on Sunday reviewing all the action from the Premier League. And if you want to listen to your own club's news, you can get daily Premier League updates. Simply ask your Alexa device to enable Sports Social. Guys, thank you so much for coming in. Jonathan thank Smith, thank, thank you. you. Jack Gorn, thanks for coming in. And Sam Lee, as always, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Great stuff, guys, and see you next week. Football Social Daily, Premier League preview. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.